You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Friday, November the 19th. Bright and early as we've got work to do here in Bahrain today. It's the Bahrain International Trophy. Looking forward to broadcasting that across the globe with my colleagues Tom Stanley, uh, a man who often deputises in this seat on this podcast, and Ali Vance. That's to look forward to, and we'll be looking forward to it in the company of some of the key players in today's race. Jockeys Kieran Schumacher and Jason Watson, owner Lynette Woodward, and trainer Richard Fahey. They all give me their thoughts not only about the race itself, but about the experience of being here as we were all gathered last night in the garden of the uh, British ambassador to Bahrain, Roddy Drummond. Lots of news to bring you from back home as well. But before we do that, also alert you to Golden 60's reappearance in Hong Kong on Sunday. You must catch that. Will Golden 60 chisel his way back up the TRC Global Rankings? With that in mind, James Willoughby is along a little bit later in the show and he gives you a, a Bahrain Global Rankings special and it is well worth a listen, I can assure you. David Yates from the Daily Mirror is my guest today. David's had a busy couple of days because last night he uh, did me the honour of standing in as the guest speaker for the National Horse Racing Museum's uh, fundraising evening at the Garrick Club. So my grateful thanks to you for that, Dave. Um, But whilst I'm in the desert, there is a drought of of a slightly different kind back in the UK and Ireland. Just tell us why. Well, we're not having any rain is the uh, is the short answer to that. About the shortest answer I've ever given, I think, on the Nick Luck Daily. Um, we had, of course, an entry uh, published yesterday for album photo at, at Thurler's next Thursday. Willie Mullins has said over the last few weeks that the dual gold cup winner, who, of course, surrendered his crown at Cheltenham last March, that he would employ a different training strategy with album photo now of course who's who's nine years old that he would run more often and the original plan was that he would run at Thurler's next week as opposed to his normal return to action at Tremor on New Year's Day but this has been scuppered or looks set to be scuppered by the element speaking to Ireland's champion trainer yesterday he said well we made the entry in the belief that ground would be soft enough for him but it's not soft enough at the moment and it doesn't look like there's going to be too much rain in the interim so I think they're going to look further down the line probably a a couple of weeks weeks time for album photos return to action the the one race that it doesn't seem to have affected uh, the weather Nick, is the, the better fair chase, isn't it? We've got a field of eight and a really good field too. Waiting patiently is in there. Royale Pagai, I suppose, is the horse that we might look at with regard to what happens with the ground and the weather over the next 24 or so hours. And I spoke to Joe Chambers yesterday, racing manager to owner Rich Ritchie. He said, well, the horse was declared on good soft. It was raining steadily half an hour from Haydock yesterday on Thursday. So I think that that good to soft will probably be maintained. If it is, connections of Royale Pagai, of course, coming back from that foot injury that he sustained in the Cheltenham Gold Cup last March. If it's good to soft 
on Saturday, then they anticipate that Roy Alpagai will run. Joe Chambers said that the final decision will, of course, be left in the hands of trainer Venetia Williams, but their take on it is that if it's good to soft, he'll still be in the eight. David, you've also spoken to Kim Bailey, who trains Imperial Aura, who this time last year, everybody was getting very excited about. What, what did he have to say? Kim Bailey was really admitted to being in the dark about Imperial Aura. The horse has had a wind operation since the wheels came off. I think that's fair to say. And I think, I think the trainer would admit that behind Alaho in the Ryanair chase at Cheltenham last March. Um, remember that Imperial Aura had opened his season with those two victories at Carlisle and at Ascot. The trainer was honest in saying that um, he, he felt that there were many doubts as to how uh, Imperial Aura might perform on Saturday. He said that it, it, it does look about the hottest renewal of the Betfair chase, that he can remember every horse who is in there has got a lot of ability. He thought that Aplutard was the, the horse to beat on ratings, which I suppose uh, we all think uh, maybe Bristol de May's uh, connections might uh, argue with that. But he's looking forward to seeing the horse run. He says he's in very good form. Obviously, if the three miles and the wind operation uh, provide some sort of benefit, he hopes that he'll be in the shake-up. So back here in Bahrain, and last night I was fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time with some of the connections of the leading fancies for the Bahrain International Trophy. Uh, Richard Fahey was the first of those that I spoke to. He saddles Fev Rover, and I asked him how he was enjoying his time out here. Ah, it's been fantastic. Everybody's sort of really looked after us extremely well. As you say, we're in the English, uh, English Ambassador's uh, Garden at the moment, and... Uh, no, every, every, everything's great and they've looked after us fantastically. Fevrova's had an amazing season. She's been a real rags to riches story. Has she got one last hurrah in her before she goes to the sales? Yeah, to be fair to her, uh, it's been a, quite a frustrating season. First we set off well, we're third in the Guineas and then it poured down with rain in the Coronation, which she ran a respectable race and then she had a run in the Falmouth, it poured down with rain and the next time we got her on decent ground was uh, in Ireland in the, in the Clipper, uh, which she was second. I've been crying and dying to run her over a mile and a quarter and I sort of saw this race sort of two, three months ago and felt, well, it won't rain there. So, uh, look, it's it's a very competitive race. I was expecting an easier race, but I'm quietly fancying her. I, th- I think she could run a big race. And half a million pounds, it's a big draw. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, she did win the Calvados and she won a listed race and fourth in a group one, but... Look, it's, it's, it's a good shout by Bahrain and I'm delighted I'm here now and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest. And a good English-Irish contingent out here as well. It's massive. Uh, I believe they've only got their Group 3 starters sort of this season. Uh, well, <laughs> this is a Group 2 stroke, like Group 1. You it's know? kind of a Group 1 and a half by, is, yeah. by kind of UK-Ireland standards, isn't 100% it? 100% agree, Nick. Um, so, but I was hoping it was an easier race. But look, we're very pleased with her and I think a mile and a quarter around this track will suit her really well. So I'm... Um, I'm hoping she runs a big one. What do you make of the facilities, the track, the hospitality? Second to none. They've been, they've been excellent. Uh, and the worst part is they keep asking us, is anything we want, we will do for you. Well, they've done everything and uh, we're thoroughly enjoying it. The staff are enjoying it. The horses are enjoying it. Uh, I don't want to go home. All she's got to do now is turn up and run a big race. 
Well, we've had such a good time here. It, it, it would help, and I won't be disappointed if she doesn't, but it would be great if she did, uh, but they've looked after us fantastically She's well. a character, isn't she? She's feisty. All the guys in the stable saying to me that she's made her presence felt. She, uh, she She's a tough girl now, um, but as I say, she's had a light enough year, only five races, which is, which is for one of mine, is, is very light. But I'm sort of sort of minding her a little bit because every time I entered her, it poured down with rain. And uh, I know she's got farm and soft ground, but she, she loves fast ground. And she's only running it twice, third in the Guineas and second in the Clipper. So, and I do feel the mile and a quarter would really suit her well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now. You know, we, we sort of know, we know our horses' form, we know where they are. But I, I think a mile and a quarter will bring out improvement. Whether that's good enough, we'll see. Trainer Richard Fahey there. Uh, okay, Dave, I haven't spoken with you on this podcast since the uh, IHRB uh, DAFM case and the discovery of uh, contraband and unlicensed premises in Ireland last weekend. I did speak to the IHRB yesterday and asked if there'd be any news imminently, and they said no, very unlikely. And Chris Cook has lamented this in a very good piece, I think, in today's Racing Post or on the Racing Post website. Yeah, and Chris is argument is or he says i'm angry and depressed because i wish racing's uh, rulers would get a grip and his general sense of dissatisfaction at the glacial speed with which processes move i think and and this process in particular is moving is shared by many of us in britain we've been talking about when will there be an announcement of a hearing in the the briny frost robbie dunn case which i think a few of us here are thinking you know when when will this when will there be some progress on that score i wonder if in a sense we ain't seen nothing yet when we look at the irish situation because the ihrb i, I think it's fair to say that they're junior partners in what's uh, happened in ireland over uh, the last week and a bit they uh, as you mentioned on the uh, the nld last week that they had made a, a statement midweek where they said where they had they had um, not talked their involvement up a bit but perhaps restated it i can't see why once the samples that the ihrb they took blood and hair samples a week last tuesday during the at the end, I think of the uh, the the raid in Monaster Evan. Now, why they can't publish the results of those tests, I really don't know. Because of course, we're not talking about a judicial process. Presumably, we're just talking about the results of a laboratory test, whereby the, that process is much shorter and much simpler. As the junior partner in this process. Uh, with the Irish, an Irish government department, then I suppose they may be under orders that, well, please do things when we tell you to do things. I, I suspect that if we think that the judicial process in Britain and in Ireland among racing's administrators is a pretty slow one, then it may well be that same in when it gets to a, a government department is truly glacial that seems to be uh, chris's lament and it's one that i think most of us share because uh it, it looks as though this is going to be a pretty long process 
So back here in Bahrain and back to last night, and I caught up with jockeys Jason Watson and Kieran Schumark. They ride Lord Glitters and Pogo, respectively. They're both grand old campaigners, particularly the former, and I began by asking Watson whether the Great Grey had one last big hurrah in him. Yeah, listen, he's a legend of the sport. Um, He feels great out here in uh, Bahrain, and um, his work's been excellent since he's been here, and uh, I'd like to think he's got a big chance. I guess for you, you just come out here feeling quite free with not much pressure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the horse has been around and knows a lot more about the sport than what I do. Um, and, you know, having been out here before, he ran a last, nice race last year. And, um, you know, I think we're going to go for the same tactics as what we did last year and hopefully the, it'll pay off. Have you enjoyed the experience? Has it been different for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I haven't experienced anything quite like it out out here um in bahrain before so um you know it's very welcoming and um uh people are lovely and the events that are held are tremendous so um you know it's been a great experience how's it been to be mistaken regularly for kieran schumacher that's a regular problem we both have to deal with um so uh i'm not too bold about it i mean the good news is kieran that when when you ride a winner or when jason rides a winner you can take credit for it and vice versa yeah, perhaps. I think I'm a bit more natural than him. Uh, when you say J- natural, what do you mean? Well, Jason's very vain himself, so... He he's he's very back. vain? I'm slick back, I'm slick back. As you can see with his chain out and his slick back hair, and he always carries a comb with him to the races, so... And, and as for you, you're just more kind of down-to-earth, more grounded? Yeah, just straight out of the shower type guy and put my clothes and off I go. You're running Pogo? Yeah, um, he's been a wonderful... Dear old Pogo. Absolutely, he's been a wonderful horse for... Um, Lynette and um, Gary Woodward. Gary, Gary Woodward. So, um, no, fantastic to be here. Um, I suppose the trip's a little bit of an unknown. First time over the 10 furlongs, but they tell me it's a very easy 10 furlongs here. Um, and he rarely runs a bad race, so very hopeful. And you're here uh, and then going to Dubai for the winter, is that right? No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I ride here tomorrow and then Dubai just for three days, a bit of an extended break and back to the all weather season. Going to kick it hard on the all-weather. What sort of contacts have you got on the all-weather to kind of sustain you through the winter? Yeah, Charlie goes a little bit quiet, I suppose. Um, I ride quite a lot for um, cross-channel racing. They have about 50 horses with Robin Brisland that are running on the all-weather this year. So, you know, no potential stars, but enough to keep me busy over the the all-weather. So look forward to that. Your doppelganger here is going to be very busy on the all-weather in in his new role with with Dave O'Mara, aren't you? Yeah, I like to think so. And after what Kieran's just said about me, you know, it's all competition now. So, uh, no, look, um, uh, yeah, David's got a plenty of horses to run the weather. And, um, you know, I think it won't do me any harm staying around for winter. Well, Jason Watson and Kieran Schumark in very good form last night. And the owners that Kieran Schumark were mentioning, long-standing supporters of the Hills family, Gary and Lynette Woodward. And a little later, Lynette told me just exactly how this ride had been with this horse to put into words it's like a roller coaster you have the highs and the lows we've had some fantastic times at pogo knocking on the door just not quite winning but being placed in some fantastic races tomorrow is his day and your journey with the hills family goes back a long way doesn't it yeah it does it goes back a long long way um started off with john and fiona um 
We have we have four daughters. John and Fee had four daughters, and our daughters have all become really good, long-standing friends, which has been lovely. They've been on skiing trips with us. Uh, we've had some amazing moments with John and Fee, and it now continues with Charlie and Pip, and with their two boys and our young twins, who are slightly older than Eddie and James, and our girls love the boys. So it, it, it's been actually an emo- an emotional roller coaster with the whole family. It really has. So this isn't just about owning horses. This is about this is about creating friendships for life. It's totally about friendships and extended family. That's what it's really about. And and obviously when you you take a horse like this abroad and all of you are together, I guess that just intensifies that. It does because we've had some amazing times with with John and Fee and with Charlie and Pip. Seriously, we've had some amazing times. So I have to say Bahrain has absolutely been, has been probably one of the best experiences of our life within the horses. Tidying up some other bits of news with uh, Dave Yates, who's still with me. Dave, Finley Marsh, the rider attached to Richard Hughes, has found himself in trouble. Why? Yes, yesterday morning, Finley Marsh was given a six-month ban for betting. Now, there is a, a, a backstory to this. He's had problems with alcohol and with drugs. Uh, back in March, his licence was suspended for six months because he had avoided drug testing, having taken cocaine. That was at Kempton in November. Now, added to that has been... Uh, a problem with gambling. Finley Marsh admitted that he had played uh, online casinos and to try and, I think, get some of the money back that that he had lost in that area, placed some bets on racehorses. In total, there were 119 bets. Uh, The stakes were over £5,000 between March 2018 and July 2019. Now, whilst he was banned for six months, the 22-year-old did receive a, 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 a large measure of comfort from the panel chairman, uh, Tim Charlton, who said, we wish you well uh, for your continued work on dealing with your problem. And we've been very impressed with the efforts that you've made. Certainly, I remember in my time when I got into racing that I thought there was a, a, a real lack of compassion on the part of uh, panels such as this who would it was back in in those days it was the jockey club um i i felt they used to deal with cases with a, a marked lack of compassion that's something that has changed an awful lot for the better over the years and i think we would all join uh tim charlton's sentiments it seems like this is the case of a young jockey who has succumbed to the pressures that he's been facing. He's doing everything he can uh, to straighten himself out. And I'm sure we, we would all wish him well in, in doing that and, and making a return to race riding in six months' time. And just very briefly, Dave, um, Kieran Fallon is no longer working with Daryl Holland at Daryl Holland's relatively new training base. Uh, I'm not really sure, however, how much there is to this story. Well... I suppose what there is to it is the names Kieran Fallon and Daryl Holland, isn't it? I mean, you know, we're of roughly the same generation and there was a time when everything that Kieran Fallon did uh, was news 
back in the day. Now, when they announced that uh, they were teaming up, this was uh, back in January, uh, obviously two very high-profile jockeys. It wasn't said that this was going to be merely a, a short association that Kieran Fallon would then uh, leave to fulfil his commitments with Godolphin. That's how it's going to work out. Yesterday, Fallon said he, he wished that um, he, he wished Daryl all the best with the venture. He said it was only uh, at the start. The intention was that he would stick around only for a short time to get the venture going. But uh, his main job is as a work rider for Godolphin. He's currently in Dubai where he's working uh, for Charlie Appleby. And so he said, no fallout. We, uh, I, I wish him very well for the future, despite the uh, travails that British racing and, and trainers who are starting out have with a lack of prize money. Um, I'm sure that, that Daryl Holland will be successful as a as a trainer but I'm just going to go back to what was essentially my day job that's working for Godolphin so there's been a parting of the ways and it's uh, it's as simple as that well it is Friday so it is time for the thoroughbred racing commentary global rankings and today we will look at the rankings through the prism of this Bahrain international trophy uh, James Willoughby is with me James it is fair to say that none of the runners in this race are going to be threatening the top 10 anytime soon but that doesn't mean that the trc rankings are not a useful tool to guide us as we navigate this quite tricky but nonetheless quite interesting race at this time of the season absolutely and this is a fascinating race it doesn't require horses to be in the world's top 10 for a race like this bahrain international trophy to really take on significance because this race is not just about the horses that are in it, but it's about that Bahrain making itself an integral part of the Middle Eastern racing circuit. And in three short years, this race has gathered momentum towards that and has been awarded Group 3 status uh, by the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities for the first time. And with £500,000 on the table, then you know that's what this race deserves. Now, in terms of standard, the TRC uh, rankings point this being strictly a group three in terms of quality but there are a couple of horses in here that have uh, punched at a much higher uh, level than that and there are 13 runners with the scratching of uh Cardair, and 11 of those 13 have competed in group races and i think it's fair to say that at the top of the market we've got a fairly strong and competitive cast for this race zakuski is the horse that has attracted most attention and is the first string, it seems, of the all-conquering global outfit that is now Charlie Appleby. See editions past and many of them. Do you believe, James, that he is the horse to beat? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that he is. Stamina is potentially a problem for him. He's not competed beyond the nine furlongs. Uh, and here we got 10 furlongs at uh, Sakia's tight terms, but overall galloping nature for him to contend with now it's interesting to read some of the press the english uh, language newspapers in the gulf and several of them and several websites um, associated with covering uh, racing in the gulf uh, really interested me here nick because uh, let me take europeangaming.com for example they said when previewing the race that charlie appleby is arguably the world's best trainer right now and I thought that was really good because I believe through doing TRC Global Rankings that it's, this is the sort of thing that we need to really get 
a grip of. And rather than just looking at these races rather in the abstract, we need to focus on things like that because statistically, you can make a very strong case that that is, the, that is exactly the situation now. And Appleby, who's carried all before him around the world, most recently in the Breeders' Cup, saddles Zakuski. And the facts of the matter are, he's sure to have this horse absolutely spot on. He's that good as a trainer. And he's second string Barney Roy, second back off the absence as well. A group one winner, two back, running a promise in race himself last time, went third in the fourth, sorry, in the Darley Stakes. Although a seven-year-old, he's no back number. Let me quickly spin through the leading uh, TRC Global Rankings, Nick, for this race. Magni Core is actually the highest ranked horse, although his roundy-poundy action and exclusively soft ground form would lead to one or two doubts about his ability to handle this uh, surface. The uh, turf track uh, produced by Neil McKenzie Ross likely to ride really uh, much better than the soft and heavy surfaces in Europe where he's plied his trade. But he nevertheless is the, the number one ranked horse. Then Zakuski at 2-3-4, then Barney Roy at 3-11. But Barney Roy, a former world number 12 Nick back in 2017. So he's undoubtedly the class act of this. And then Cadillac, currently 3-3-1, but formerly 1-3-8 at his peak. And then Lord Glitters, group one winner, 350. He's ranked at the moment, but formerly a world number 77 back in 2019. And then we go down to Fev Rover, who's at 682. She's one of two three-year-old fillies in here with Penja, a horse I actually fancy to step up massively, uh, although she's rated 869. Why do I fancy Penja? First, the price, 12 to 1. Second of all, she's just joined a trainer I think is an absolutely elite operator in the German maestro, Andreas Suborix. So plenty to go on there. We've then got Pogo, Dubai Future, Emperor of the Sun, and what a welcome, ranked lower. And the final note, Dubai Future, his side, Dubawi this week in our stallion rankings, retaking the position uh, at a global world number one stallion from, well, two stallions who are deceased, of course, and that's the reason they've, they've both formerly been number one and now their influence is faded in, in deep impact in Galileo. Extraordinary, really, because in the middle of this year, James, if I said to you who is going to land up the world number one stallion, I think you'd have been quite surprised if Dubawi was the answer. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's a beneficiary of the Appleby factor, isn't he? So many of these or, stock in or, hands of these. Or, or, or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah, well, the synergy. That, this is race. We don't, that's an interesting point here. We don't seek to separate the effect at the margin of trainer, owner, jockey, and sire in TRC Global Rankings. So we'll, when we rank jockeys or trainers as world number one, we're not actually saying that their skills are better than everybody else. What we're saying is their impact, considering the other factors in their favour is the best around. And you're right, Godolphin, who've now really got their act together in the last uh, four years, four or five years, they, they, and you know they're bringing horses through from their breeding operation to pre-training and then training and then their stallion operation. It's really all working together. Uh, and Dubawi, of course, his um, ability to churn out top-notch horse after top-notch horse and provide the raw materials for Appleby. And then I must mention William Buick, who uh, brings so many of these uh, Appleby horses to fruition. Interesting choice. Zakuski, 
over Barney Ryan. I suppose he had to do that. Zakuski is in, in terrific form at the moment. He's the more progressive horse. He's the younger horse. But James Doyle has been the beneficiary on many an occasions of the, um, the, the, the horse that Buick has decided not to ride. And so it could be, again, the case here on, on Barney Roy. Could well be Barney Roy, a horse that you and I have been very fond of in the past. Just before you go, James, yeah. I want to touch on this point of, of, of perceived recency bias as regards yeah. these rankings. And perhaps, again, an explanation that these are rankings rather than ratings and the difference yeah, there. Yeah, very good point. The world's best racehorse ratings are static ratings, what I would call static ratings. They are the horse's best rating at some point during the time frame being considered, which is usually the season, the year. Whereas if you're doing rankings, you have to have a recency bias. Think about the world's golf rankings or cricket test match rankings. You have to reflect the situation now. And so for that reason, you have to reflect what's just happened because that has more uh it's more likely to be reproduced in the near future uh, than events further back in the past but still still if you look at the horse rankings that the trc global horse rankings yeah although there is recency bias in those there are still horses who ha- who who performed at their best three or four months ago there is this longevity that horses can still have at the top and horses like arm and i have lasted a long time as world number one um, and well, uh, Winks, of course, most um, notably was number one in our rankings for several seasons. So it, you do need to reflect what's just happened, but you need to balance that off against the recent past. Uh, thanks to James, to all my guests today, and all those contributions from here in, in Bahrain from the ambassador's reception last night. Now, I will not be forgiven if I do not mention Presence Galore, which has been running for 34 years at the Rally Mile Racecourse and is the perfect venue to buy original and different presents for your family and friends ahead of Christmas. There's homeware and gifts, women's fashion, men's fashion, jewellery, accessories, food, drink. There's basically everything you could want uh, this uh, this far ahead of the festive season. And the most important thing is that Presence Galore it raises between fifty and £70,000 for two charities that Dave I think are close to both our hearts racing welfare for whom you've done an awful lot and the National Horse Racing Museum um, for whom you spoke last night and uh, of which I am a trustee so I, I'm, I'm sure you'll join me in endorsing presence galore as a suitable destination for everybody this weekend uh, it all opens uh, today Friday from four o'clock till eight o'clock and then Saturday 9 30 to 5 30 and Sunday 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock. The parking is free and the tickets can be bought on the door. I would have no hesitation whatsoever in endorsing everything that you've just said. Racing Welfare, we know, uh, is the charity that helps the whole of racing's workforce. Its profile has risen over the years and it does an incredible amount of work within the racing community. And I don't like to talk about my charitable work, but I'm always very happy to donate to what I think is a, uh, an excellent charity. And yes, the, the National Horse Racing Museum, uh, indeed, I, I spoke in your stead uh, last evening at the Garrett Club, um, a, a very enjoyable evening it was. And it's, it's a, an amazing resource. Uh, of course, it's in Newmarket and moved from its old site five years ago now to, to Palace House, which was Charles II's old base. And I'd back everything you said 100%. I love going there. I'm a member. And I think it's, uh, it's, if you love racing, then every time you're 
visiting Newmarket, you really should go to the National Horse Racing Museum. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant resource. So, Dave, um, give me a tip for the weekend or for today. Right, we're going to go with number four, Hidden Depths, in the 350 race at Ascot today. This horse is trained by Neil Mulholland, has won his last two races at Hereford. Uh, the latter, what, back on the, the 9th of this month, has a £7 penalty for that. That leaves him £2 well in on official figures. So I hope the hat-trick is on the cards. 350 race at Ascot selection is number four, Hidden Depths. Dave, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, Charlotte will be back this evening with the Saturday edition, and I'll be back with you on Monday morning. I hope you've enjoyed all the editions we brought you from Bahrain this week, and enjoy the Bahrain International Trophy this afternoon. I think it's one o'clock British time. It is one o'clock GMT, four o'clock here in Bahrain. I will see you again after the weekend. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.